Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Jennifer and Wendy Show, the last day of January, Wednesday, January 31st. Crazy. It was quick, wasn't it, Wendy? It was. <laughs> it was. Connor McCarthy is here as well. Good morning, Connor. Good morning. And the Royal Banks, Missouri text line is open at 84126. And you know we love it when you're part of the show. Uh, later in this hour, we'll talk with Dr. Craig Reese, who is the chief of cardiovascular medicine at St. Luke's Hospital. There was a Harvard study that indicates that sometimes watching football, I suppose, is probably the leading sport. It can be hazardous for your health. And I think many of us anecdotally know of just such a case where people have had heart attacks, sometimes fatal heart attacks, while watching football games, which sounds crazy but at the same time it really isn't when when you think of how invested some of these fans are in the games they say some people's heart rate doubles which if you're in a gym doing your cardiovascular that's one thing but watching tv i don't know probably while you're having some queso dip that further (laughs) complicate right that further complicates things jay o'brien will join us from abc news at 10 50 and then sandy williams from st louis county library uh, to talk about Black History Month and all the wonderful things going on at St. Louis County Library, and we're, we're happy about that. I was just wondering, because my cousin has been visiting from Baltimore, and uh, we we were talking about college and master's degree and graduate school and how expensive it is to go to school now, and how do people do it? And do you even need to do it to get a good job? Uh, and then I read this article that the highest paid manager at a Walmart store is making $400,000. <sighs> the average salary for a Walmart manager is 128000 But at this time when Macy's is cutting back and Amazon is cutting jobs and Wayfair, I guess not so. And Walmart gives bonuses and stock awards and these annual pay packages. Uh, but the... Manager of a large Walmart store can earn up to four hundred and four thousand in total compensation. Uh, that shocked me. I just I didn't know. I knew grocery store managers. I, I knew that was a very good job. I would always see um, Bill Haas, the late Bill Haas, because he was a manager. We never spoke, but I would see him at the Walmart in the Valley, in Chesterfield Valley. Right after it opened, I think that he um, that he was there for several years as as the manager. I don't know. I mean, four hundred. Do you think that depends on the location? Maybe it would have yeah. to be a large Walmart, and they get some of it is in stock options and bonuses, which I would imagine might be based on sales. I don't know, but it's just so interesting because. College is so expensive, and then a young person gets out of college with debt, and I just I don't know enough about it to know if the degree still pays off. And I think a lot of it is I think a lot of it is cultural, um, maybe fear of cultural blowback. Mm-hmm. You know, where oh well, why isn't Johnny or Jill going to college? And you know, some people just I think it just depends on how comfortable and, um, you know, confident you are in your decision-making against everybody else in your circle. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you send your kids to, 
you know, a nice high school, and we've got great high schools in in St. Louis, public and private. It's a fortune, right? It's, it, well, do you, that's a fortune. But, you know, the public schools, we've got great public schools. But if you tell people upon graduating from, you know, a public school, a private school, my son is going into a trade or what have you, they're probably going to make more money. They're probably going to be happier. Um, but there are still people who are reluctant to say that kind of thing at a cocktail party. And I know that sounds utterly ridiculous. Feel free to chime in at you know, any I time, um, young person. of a certain age, perhaps. Maybe it is, you know, but where once upon a time, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, um, it had been sort of it, it had been a rarity for families to be able to send their kids to college if it if it hadn't been on the GI Bill or something like that. But uh, back in the fifties and sixties and seventies, I mean, I, there was no conversation with my parents. I was going to college. It was ne- oh, you know, same here. It was never. I want to go find myself in Europe and backpack. And it was it was no. You're going to college. <laughs> it was that simple. I think. I, I think it's time to maybe reinvent the wheel when it comes to some kids. That's funny you say that because, you know, I told my parents I wasn't going because they wouldn't let me go to Boulder. We lived in Ohio. It was the biggest party school in the nation. I said, fuck going. I'll just, I'll just keep working. And then my mother handed me the application and said, you, I already filled it out. You're going. You start September 20th. At Bowling Green State University. Yeah. So and so it was just you're a You're in fore- a dorm. You're going. Right. Goodbye. It was a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. Just a foregone conclusion. Okay. Now, see, we got we have a couple of comments on the text line. One from 314, Walmart does not take care of their managers that well. I own a company doing snow removal. Walmart deducts the cost of us to plow a lot from their manager's store revenue. So he says, if we charge $5,000 to plow Walmart lot, Walmart deducts 5000 from the store profit margin. Uh, somebody else said Walmart managers are pretty ruthless with their employees and attaining the bonuses, not good. And did you ever talk, at any of the, talk to any of the employees at Trader Joe's? I'm telling you. They're so happy. They're, they're, I'm like, are you faking it or are you really this happy? And there's so many people in our age group who are retired teachers or retired from some other jobs and they have told me, oh no, we love it here. Yeah. It's a happy place. This a, is not fake. A friend of mine um, worked for Trader Joe's after she retired and has since relocated a, cu- a couple of times. She made my, she was one of my bridesmaids um, and she made my wedding gown, uh, but she they've relocated a couple of times and she's gone to work at a Trader Joe's, I believe at each stop because she loves it so much. Loves oh, it so much. My neighbor Jim worked at a Trader Joe's for eight years after he retired from his corporate job, and he loved it. Uh, Buckeye Gas from the three one four Bucky's gas station in Springfield has all their pay listed on Help Wanted signed car wash manager one twenty five k, bathroom attendant twenty bucks an hour, and the voice of reason Ed Becker. Hi, just joining. Keep in mind, two year community college transfer to Umsel, live at home, twenty five thousand dollars for a four-year degree it can be done but ed you know we'd also really appreciate your opinion on this because he's kind of a social i I think he's really plugged in socially as as, and and culturally do you think that there is the same reluctance and i know financially economically it's a great thing but even in families for whom it would be 
um, a, a hardship or a struggle, there is still that sense that you want, when everybody else in your child's graduating class at high school is going, you do feel that social cultural pressure to send your child to school. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I don't I don't know. I would love Ed's opinion on that. If if that pressure is still there, or if it, I mean I'm almost sixty three, so maybe it's not it's not that way anymore. Oh, listen to this from the 314. Costco has excellent service and full-time employees. They take great care of their employees with great benefits plus clean facility. And it's funny because I was chatting with the lady at the checkout at Costco, and I said, do you like working here? Do they take good care of you? And she said, oh, our benefits are fantastic. We get time and a half on Sundays. We have good health insurance. Yes, we love working here. Uh Somebody said I heard the same story about Trader Joe's on a TV documentary. Oh, I'd like to see that. If there yeah, is I've one. never heard. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't encouraged to go to college. Did you read that one? My three much older siblings all dropped out. It all turned out great for me because so, they then. I, I don't let know if go? they. I don't know if that means that they went to college or they didn't go to college. A um, lot of as you as you can imagine, Walmart is a is as polarizing yes. a topic of conversation as Provel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is. People either think that Walmart is great or Walmart is the devil. So, Did I ever tell you that my best friend Patty went to college on a theater scholarship? Yes, you did. Oh. Yes, you did. <laughs> she had never. She had only been in one play. <laughs> one play that ran for one night, a one-act play, and, and she only had one happen? word. I know you told her. Well, her high school said, look, we have to send one female and one male to this audition for a theater scholarship. So we have chosen you, Patty. And she was, she went and all the other kids were called up and asked about their long resumes. How many plays had they done? Were they on tech? Patty didn't even know what tech was. And then they said to her, okay, what's your history? And she said, I was in a one act play. It ran one night and I had one line, though I did say it several times. And they were like, oh, what was the line? And the line was, coo, coo. And they said, why did your high school choose you? And she said, I guess I brought the house down. She got the scholarship. So she went to college on a theater scholarship, though she was not interested in theater. She had to try out for every play because of said scholarship. And she kept making it. Oh, my God. That's just amazing. (laughs) Ed Becker said, I didn't follow my own point. My kids did not do that. LOL. It is harder. It is harder to do that in certain parts of town. Um, Mike from accounting. Mike. Practical as always. (laughs) We should all just focus on finding spouses with high earning jobs. It worked for me. He is. Melissa, I believe, right? He he is. I mean, I think we all know that he is. He's a trophy husband. I mean, (laughs) he is a kept man. Whatever your situation. If you need help with your money around this time of year, and you will because we're coming up on tax filing season, Jeff Zufall and Capital Advisory Group can help you. This is the time of year when he gets a lot of calls from people who want to become new clients, and well, they should. They'll take really good care of you at Capital Advisory Group, and then they'll walk you through the year so that when tax filing season rolls around, there will be no panic. They have a full accounting department, and Jeff Zufall first 
realized maybe five or six years ago that some of his new clients came to him because they had overpaid their taxes. And so he said, no problem, we'll take care of you. He refiled taxes and was able to recoup money for some of those clients. But he doesn't want you to be in that situation. So if you become a client of Capital Advisory Group, they will help you with your taxes. Jeff Zufall has a radio show here on the Big 550 called Keep What's Yours. And that's all about keeping more of your hard-earned dollars in your pocket instead of overpaying Uncle Sam. And their new laws every year. We'll have Jeff on our show coming up here next month uh, to talk about that because it's hard for the average person to keep up with the changes in the tax codes. And if you're a small business owner, oh, my capital advisory will help you throughout the year, and you especially need them. Give a call, 636-394-5524. You can look them up online, capitaladvisorygrp.com, or listen in to Jeff's radio show, Keep What's Yours, here on the Big 550 every Saturday at 3. What you got to say? Okay, Mike from Accounting, many people will follow your way of doing things. Find a spouse with high-earning jobs. Somebody from the 314 Aldi's, friendliest employees anywhere. They must treat their people well and have good benefits. As Wendy said, Walmart is polarizing. From the 314, Walmart is the devil, but that's coming from a union household My dad was at Straub's for 44 years, and I worked at National Supermarkets for 20 years. Somebody else said, we didn't read this one, did we, about Arkansas, Wendy? Uh, My opinion of Walmart went up considerably after visiting Bentonville, Arkansas. They invest a lot of monies in schools, et cetera, and Crystal Bridges, uh, which is a fabulous art museum. I've never been there. I'd love to go. That was started by Alice Walton. Uh, From the 636, my parents spent 80K on high school. My brother and I both went to private college. We both don't make what my parents made at our age. College almost feels unneeded. That from the 636. Another one, we couldn't afford college, so I got into the building trades. Retired 10 years ago with 38000 a year pension, great medical benefits, put two children through college, own my own home, have a vacation home as well. People need to look at the union building trades if they can't afford college. Uh, but as Connor was saying, it, what about just, the kids yeah, who want to go to college? Make make your point because we don't want to think that anybody was misunderstanding the point that we were trying to make, um, which was I just think a lot of parents and not in, certainly not in every area. There are, there are plenty of parents out there who are confident in their decisions and don't give a rip what anybody else thinks in the neighborhood or beyond. But I think there are a lot of parents who, who would be reluctant to say that their child wasn't going to college. So you think it's a, a parent, but a parental asked, pressure that's making kids go to college? I think it wasn't. Our, it was, some yeah. My 60s for us, it was. For us, it was. As we said, there was no discussion. Mm. We It was, you are going mm-hmm. to college. Because yeah. I didn't want to go. I, I was mad at my parents and didn't want to go. But would you have been able to get the career that you had if you hadn't have gone? No. Well, that's kind of the point, right? No. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I Yeah, I have another take on that. I, I don't think that you have to have. I think if, if, if it is something that is performative, like what we do, um, I think experience. I worked with a lot of people who did not go to college and who were remarkably successful because they were good at what they did 
and they just had they just they went to those smaller markets the way people were you're encouraged right and so uh, so maybe I, the, yeah yeah i see this and connor the reason would i have had the career my first day on campus there was a public tv station so i walked in because i was looking for a job so i got a writing job 20 hours a week but i know there's like broadcast school so perhaps if someone is interested in this field as wendy says there's a way to make a career of it without a college degree yeah, question mark fonpon had a um it, it was fonpon college then it is obviously fonpon university now um and making some headlines but back then um they had an affiliation with the broadcast center in clayton so because they had the broadcast center had their facilities there so um it was but it just it was it like as I, as i said and i can't emphasize it enough and i know many of you out there understand what i'm saying your parents my parents would not have allowed me to just go to a any kind of a votech school they they wanted me to go to college no now that you say this i remember my late friend john king who i worked with in toledo he was in the mailroom tv station and he got his third class broadcast license which I remember at one time I had to get. Yeah, you had one. It's a, it's a, it was an FCC, right, right third class uh, broadcast operator's and license. And then he came to Channel 5 in the early 80s and they trained him on Sony editing and he went on to have a fabulous career, good money, and he was an accomplished film editor, news broadcast editor, but film editor too. So yeah, as I'm thinking out loud about it, I guess people, if they know this is what they want to do, and if it's something that you, if it's something that you love, um, and you know, it was one of those things where if I and and I, this, whenever I'm asked by young people uh, in terms of like, do you have any advice? I always tell them when it comes to broadcasting, it has to be something that is non-negotiable. You're not going to be happy in your life if you don't get to go into broadcasting. It has to be, I, I think, it ha, in, in terms of on, you know, in front of the mic, mm-hmm. it has to be something that you feel that strongly about. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you don't, then it is not the easiest way to, to make, a living. make a living. Same with TV news, for Correct. sure. Correct. Uh, milita- from the 314, military service is a good alternative to college. Good educational benefits and more experienced and mature after service. From the 314, I lost my job in the airline business at age 30 with two small kids. Went to work in the St. Louis Union building trade, retired with benefits. Um, and then, sorry, our text line is kind yeah. of funny. They all come in so quickly. Um, from the 314, I believe this is from Carrot Cake Liz. In 1986, when I graduated high school from Incarnate Word, we were all encouraged to go to college for nursing or teaching. I wonder how some of us would have done being encouraged to get into a trade at that time. But those were more challenging times for women in those fields. Ah, true. So true. It was just, it wasn't even... It wasn't even considered, was it? No, that is so, so true. Uh, If you have an aging parent and you're looking for an assisted living and memory care community, you know that that can be 
a daunting task. May we suggest McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care. Unlike many senior living communities, McKnight Place Assisted Living doesn't use any points or tiers or levels of care to escalate your fees. There are no buy-in fees, which is fantastic, and you may learn that as you start to tour different places. So at McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care, predictable pricing, and that will make you feel reassured that you have chosen the right place. That is so important and uh, equally important. The McKnight Place Assisted Living staff builds trust with residents and relationships that I think people don't anticipate. Uh, I've known several families who have loved ones at the McKnight Place Assisted Living staff or uh, Assisted Living uh, Center, and the, the staff becomes members of the families. That they absolutely do. Uh, their loved ones. Uh, they want to. They want to be sure that the family knows the day-to-day care is going to be at a very high level. So the employees are committed to personal well-being and satisfaction for residents plus as much day-to-day happiness as possible. That's so important because it's a transition. Many times when people are moving into assisted living, they've lost a spouse and they've lost their home. And so they move into an assisted living place and they need some help socially, and that's just what they do at McKnight Place. They have a daily happy hour, 4 o'clock, four times a week with appetizers and drinks and live entertainment. Uh, they take care of all the activities of daily living, but they provide so many music therapy and social problem uh, programs that when the person moves in, they will feel connected. It will feel like a real community. So please, for more information, be sure to call Leslie, Kelly, or Gretchen today. They'll help you schedule a tour at 314-993-3333. Tell them that Jennifer and Wendy sent you and you will receive a special offer. It is 1037 at the Big 550 KTRS, a Jennifer and Wendy show. Thank you so much for listening and telling your friends about us. We do appreciate it. Uh, Many of you probably saw the article uh, regarding heart health and watching sporting events. Uh, One of the, the, I believe the medical study was actually published in uh, a Harvard uh, publication. So we have asked St. Luke's Dr. Craig Reese to join us. He is the chief of cardiovascular medicine at St. Luke's, and he's on the line with us this morning. Hi, Dr. Reese. Thanks so much for being here. Hi. Thank you so much, Jennifer and Wendy, for asking me to be on the show. Were you surprised by by this publication? Not really. We really have known about uh, this phenomena for many years. It's been studied several times over the last couple of decades. Uh, and it really tells us that if it's World Cup games, if it's World uh, Series, and, uh, and particularly Super Bowl, uh, that, uh, that the day of the event and the day after the event, uh, there can certainly be an increase in, in heart events. And Dr. Reese, are these people who were at risk anyway or not getting annual screenings or cholesterol, blood levels? It's really both. Uh, so if you think about it, it's a, it's a perfect storm for those that have underlying significant risk factors uh, that you know, are smokers or have high cholesterol, family histories, high blood pressure and diabetes. And now all of a sudden, 
uh, and they sit around and they don't exercise. And then all of a sudden they get incredibly emotional. They're eating all the wrong food. They're <laughs> drinking alcohol. You know, and here they are on game day. And then particularly, actually, if, you're, if your team is losing uh, or loses, that's the subgroup that we've known for quite some time really have the worst outcomes. Uh, and uh, so that's one group. The other group are those patients uh, that are patients that ha- have known heart disease and get a little too involved in the game uh, and, uh, again, are not taking care of themselves and, again, eating the tacos and the, the chips and the chili and everything they're not supposed to eat, uh, and, then, uh, and then having the stresses and the excitement of the game, which raises people's blood pressures, raises their heart rate. Uh, again, it's like they're failing a stress test. So what 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 are we to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, um, an acquaintance of of ours had a, a father who actually died in an armchair uh, watching a football game, and you know, I'm sure that they wanted to to warn him about getting excited because we all know those folks who get maybe too excited about the outcome. What what can you do to any degree of uh, of success, doctor? So the first thing is just to be smart about it, and that is that uh, that you know if you are going to be watching the event, and I certainly don't discourage my patients, even my sickest patients, from watching the event. You know, to realize it is a game. Okay, right. um, and and then secondly, though, uh, if you can't control your emotions, to make certain that you are uh, not partaking in excess alcohol, uh, that you're not having lots of salt in your diet if you're uh, prone to having heart failure, for instance. And then very importantly, realizing the symptoms, uh, because that's a common problem is that people don't realize that, you know what, this discomfort in my chest is not indigestion. This discomfort in my chest may be a serious heart problem. Uh, and so, you know, recognizing that an uncomfortableness in the chest, especially if it goes to the, the neck or into the arms, uh, especially if it's associated with shortness of breath, or people that have, just have unexplained shortness of breath, this could be a sign and symptom of a serious heart problem. Uh, and you don't wait until the end of the game uh, in order to call for help. Uh, you call for it uh, at that time. Uh, and also be aware that, that some of these risks happen and uh, in events happen the day afterwards. That's mm-hmm. been shown in several studies. You know, so to realize that the next day also, if something's off, if something's different, you take it seriously. What are the things that are challenging for doctors like yourself, Dr. Reese, Chief of Cardiovascular Medicine at St. Luke's Hospital, when somebody who you did not expect to have a heart attack, and we've seen news stories about athletes. We probably all know somebody who appeared to be in the best of health, went to the doctor every year and had blood work done, and then had a fatal heart attack. It's uh, it's the hardest thing about our job, and it's the hardest thing to families. And the, the key thing is to realize what are the risk factors. Do you have a family history of heart disease? Know your cholesterol. If you're a smoker, stop immediately. If you have high blood pressure and diabetes, you're at a high risk. And there are special tests that we do at St. Luke's and can be done uh, that, uh, that make this not a surprise so that you can have a calcium score of your coronary arteries and realize, do I have calcium buildup in my arteries? Am I at risk? Should I have a stress test? And so that going to the doctor alone may not be enough. Having an EKG may not be enough. So if you have these risk factors, realize that you are at risk and don't ignore symptoms. If you notice a change in your exercise 
capacity, ability, if you're having more shortness of breath, if you have something in the chest, don't assume it's your stomach. Assume it's your heart because that's what could be deadly. Dr. Reese, uh, there are some women who are married to men who don't. Um, <laughs> let's see. How do I delicately? Uh, who, I think he knows what's coming, Wendy. I, I, uh, who, who don't like to, um, you know, be told what to do in terms of their health and uh, that kind of thing. You are a man. I don't want to put you on the spot. Are men becoming better patients as as we maybe evolve and move move past certain generations or is that something that's just built into the dna I, i'm asking well, for a friend yeah <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i've never seen such a person yeah, no, actually, actually yes no it still is a problem and we have we have both extremes but you know just this week i did see somebody who said you know what um i realize i have to address this um, so I think people are getting more educated and more in tune, especially when there's the publicity of what can happen. But it, it still is a problem. But also very, very importantly, the, the biggest killer for women is also heart disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and women a lot of times may ignore their symptoms thinking that this is a disease of men, and it's not. You know, So it really goes both ways. Um, the women may seek care a little bit earlier sometimes, but again, ignoring that they have a problem is a, is uh, is almost as big a problem as the men that are stubborn and don't seek attention. But women can certainly encourage their husbands gently um, in order to come in, and that has been life saving in several of my patients over the years. Dr. Reese, when you mentioned these tests, like a calcium score or an EKG, is there a test that the average baby boomer should ask for or press for? even if they're fine, but they have heart disease in their family? I think that, again, if you have heart disease in the family, you can push for this. It depends on the, on the age, but yes, uh, somewhere between 40 and 65, a calcium CT may be a very important test. We're also uh, now it's with very strong family histories. There are special testing now that we're, I've been doing for decades, but it's now more publicized that is called an LP little a, which is a, a special type of a lipid of a cholesterol-like particle that if it's elevated dramatically increases cardiovascular risk. And within two to three years, we should have some drugs uh, that are currently shown positive in clinical trials that are out. So asking for blood testing, knowing your cholesterol, potentially getting a calcium scan is something to talk to your physician about. Dr. Craig Reese, Chief of Cardiovascular Medicine at St. Luke's Hospital. This has been enlightening, and we're keeping your phone number because, you know, that friend of Wendy's who can't get her husband to go, you you might hear from them. Absolutely. We'll be waiting for the call. Thank you, Dr. Reese. Thank you so much much for asking me to be on your show. Take Take care. We'll be back in a moment. It is 10, coming up on 10.50, so time to check in with Jay O'Brien, ABC News correspondent in Washington, uh, to tell us more about a Senate border deal. Yes or no, or maybe. Jay, thank you for joining us. What's up? Yeah, yes, no, maybe. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting in that it, every day, like, there's a, a gain of an inch, but really only a gain of an inch. Um, And so the current state of play is this. So we know that negotiators said, I'll take you back to the weekend even, that they were close. They then said again at the beginning of this week that they were also close. When I say negotiators, I'm talking about a bipartisan group of Senate Republicans and Democrats who've been meeting behind closed doors for months. 
Um, but the reality here and the thing that is newsy today is there has been this sustained pressure over the last few days from House Republicans that really came to a head yesterday into today in which they have said, look, we don't care what comes out of the Senate because what we've heard is being hashed out in the Senate is not something that we can agree to. Speaker Johnson said that privately to the Republicans yet to Republicans in his conference yesterday, and he's expected to say a version of that publicly today because he He's actually scheduled to give his first floor speech of 2024 on the House floor in exactly 10 minutes from now. So we'll be parsing what he says, uh, because if it comes out of the Senate, right, and even if it passes in the Senate, it's up to Mike Johnson to put it on the floor in the House. And if he doesn't like it, then the reality here is this has all been for naught, and there is no broad immigration fix to come out of this Congress. Jay O'Brien joining us live from from Capitol Hill. How big of a role is presidential candidate Donald Trump playing in these negotiations without even being in Washington? Well, he's certainly it's actually funny. He is in Washington today for something oh. unrelated. But um, but 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 uh, but usually he's not. You're right. He's on the campaign trail. But um, he has made no secret a that he doesn't like this deal. Uh, he has made no secret B that he wants to use immigration as a uh, a, a weapon against President Biden in 2024. Uh, and C. He has said both publicly and privately that he's talking to House Republicans, that he does not want them to do this deal. Speaker Johnson has said in interviews that he's been in touch with the former president on this issue. Former President Trump has said the exact same thing. Now, when Mike Johnson got a question yesterday as to whether or not this is because of the election, President Trump's opposition to this, or it's just because of policy, he said, oh, that's preposterous. This isn't about the election, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality here is that whatever his reasoning is, former President Trump has made it clear that he's leaning on House Republicans not to follow through and back this deal. Something that, by the way, guys, remember, they asked for this. They said no future funding for Israel and Ukraine without changes to immigration policy. And now the subject of the product of those negotiations, it appears in the Senate, is not something that they like. So it's all close to potentially falling apart. Our listeners take part in this radio program by texting. And over the months, you know, we've heard many people say nothing's going to happen. It's an election year. So that's not just their perception. You're a reporter on Capitol Hill, uh, is it? I think that's very astute of them. I mean, the Capitol is always considered to be quiet in an election year because everybody kind of goes to their corners and backs their candidate and hopes that their candidate wins. And then, therefore, they can have policy wins uh, because, you know, in theory, they control both chambers of Congress or at least one and they have the White House. Right. Um, and so that's really astute of your of your viewers because that's or listeners, because that's exactly what we perceive to be happening on Capitol Hill. But then there was this ray of, oh, my gosh, something might happen because these conversations were being had in the Senate and because Republicans in the House seemed open to these conversations that were being had in the Senate. And only over the last you know week or so did we start to see this fraying between the House and the Senate where Senate Republicans have said, look, we are still for, full steam ahead on this. Even yesterday, Senate Republicans came out and said they were going to back this deal. They want to see text from these negotiations emerge. And in the House, they said, look, what we're hearing about this is not something that we can support. Jay O'Brien from ABC News in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Jennifer and Wendy show in St. Louis. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. What I really want to ask him someday, and I don't know what it is like these days. Is it a conflict of interest for a reporter to hang out with a senator? If a senator said, hey, let's go have drinks, or would the reporter look at that as 
possible story source. It didn't. I, I just don't know. Yeah, it didn't used to be. I mean, the reporters would get as close to the principals as possible, um, and maybe that changed some uh, somewhere along the line. You know, one of the ongoing stories these days uh, in terms of coverage. And maybe it seems self-serving, but all of these sweeping cuts at uh, at media outlets and newspapers. And you wonder how much sympathy there is out there when you have people who regularly vilify the media. In some places, I think it's warranted. In other places, it is not warranted. And then you have hedge funds then buying all the newspapers and shutting them down. Precisely, precisely. And do you really want a world... Without the watchdog, mm-hmm. I don't. I think that's kind of an interesting question too. Uh, and maybe as much as you you don't care for MSNBC or Fox News, depending on your uh, point of view, do you really want them not to be here anymore? Mm-hmm. So, and I, there, there was a news story a couple of years ago about how some of these hedge funds that bought newspapers would then contract out the work, so somebody in India might be attending a Zoom meeting of your Richmond Heights City Council, for an right. example. And do you want that? Or no. do you want a person who lives in the region to go to those city council meetings, the PTA meetings, to be right there and fulfill that role of watchdog, which is what the media is intended to do? And that partly. was that was one of the, the terrific points that Ben Fred made when we, I think you were out when we talked to him about Sports Illustrated. You know, he said there are those investors who are buying the name Sports Illustrated or the call letters, and they have absolutely, they have no inclination at all to to bring it back to its former glory or to take it into the future. They're just capitalizing and selling as much as they can on that previous reputation and on the history of that publication. Hmm. And then I guess with the addition of social media, as we have discussed on this program, so many people are getting their news they and think. their health news. That's right. From That's TikTok right. or Facebook. Places. And heaven, heaven forbid their financial news. Mm-hmm. I mean, financial and health. If you're getting it from uh, from social media, that could be a problem. And young people don't watch news or read newspapers until mm-hmm. a certain age. What right. we always learned was that as soon as somebody buys a house, they care about Suddenly they care what about happens taxes. at the end of their driveway, their trash, the street, the city council. That's when we kind of grow up and start to pay attention. We're coming up on Top of the Hour News with Jim Fairchild and more from ABC. We'll be back with the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy show after that. This is the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. Cue the text line, 84126. Welcome to the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy Show. And this Wednesday, the last day of January, January the 31st. I think it's Mike from Accounting who does not like that version of our song. Oh, Mike is not alone. But there are plenty of people who love that version. That's right. So send your hate mail or love mail to 638 Westport Plaza. Yes, just once a week. Uh, later in this 
hour, we'll be joined by Sandy Williams from St. Louis County Library, who will talk about Black History Month and all of the things going on uh, with that for you from St. Louis County Library. We were talking earlier about hedge funds by newspapers and what happens when journalism dies and why people go into it and do they need college educations to go into it. And, you know, especially when I think about war correspondents, mm. I mean, these people are so smart and willing to risk their lives. And I think for them, it is about truth telling. And of course, listening to Joe Holloman <laughs> talk about being on a story and then the TV crew pulls up and the anchor man in 100 degree heat gets out, does a stand up and goes back to the station and Joe's like, we're all out there sweating our off. And then this happens. But I do think that so many people go into the business because they are interested in truth telling. I concur. Mm-hmm. I concur. Uh, from the 636, I love that so much. From the 618, once a week is too much. <laughs> from the 618, I thought we all agreed not to play that anymore. <laughs> I said, I missed that meeting. Wendy, P.S., I love you to that texter. If you will, you can all weigh in and we'll count them. But it's about 50-50 right now. And music is like that, isn't it? It is. And I, I to me, gospel music is happy music. And, and he's, I just think he has such a terrific voice um, that it's, you know, I mean, we're just going to keep playing it. Yes. My cousin Amy, who I call Suz from Maryland, has been with us for a week. And she was mentioning she had a very high-powered job as a chief of staff for university president, did this a couple of times, but she's retired now. And so one of the part-time jobs she got was like at a concert venue. So she got to lots of steps in every night and she got to see all different concerts. But she said she and her friends, as a side trip, went to Miami and she saw Pink. And she said it was one of the five best experiences of her life. And if those of you remember, it was groundbreaking when Pink was at the Oscars and did her gym, she's a former gymnast, did her performance upside down, swinging around the room, yeah. and it rained on everyone because <laughs> as she was spinning, water went down on all the uh, highly dressed celebrities who were wearing clothes so tight they couldn't breathe, and then they got wet. But uh, that would sound like it would be quite a concert experience. Things have taken a nasty turn. Oh, we invited a it. very <laughs> nasty turn. Uh, but let's go back to where we jumped off from the 314. Wait a minute. You think everything on the news about politics is truthful. Not no, anymore. Not what we said. No, but not anymore. No. I mean, you know, when when we were coming up, if you will, um, and I know that makes us both sound old as Methuselah, and that is not the intent, but um, you had to you had to play it right down the middle. If you didn't, your boss would have walked through a wall to get to you. In the time that has passed since that that era, the networks now have skin in the game mm-hmm. and they are literally just they are the voice of each party, uh, depending on the affiliation. Um, but it's it's changed so much and where you almost you have to be biased in, and not in every case, certainly. Um, but there does seem to be that bias creeping in there. And it's a blurry line. Which person is a commentator? Which person is a reader of the news? Right. (laughs) Um, I'm going to see Pink in St. Louis in August at the Dome. 
Nice. I know there was a report about her on 60 Minutes, my cousin told me, which I want to look up on YouTube because how many people can sing that powerfully upside down? How many people can sing that powerfully in the shower? How many people can sing that powerfully upside down, spinning around, swinging yeah. <laughs> swinging through the room? Like so, Peter Pan, only upside down. So uh, hard left here, hard right. Um this is the end of January, so happy last day of dry January for those of you who played that board game this year. For those of you who have been playing, um, and in honor of my we remind you that there is also, what is it, what, what did he say? Like damp. Moist, damp, damp, January, February. Are any of you going to continue into February? Because I told you that... Um, the first time we tried dry January was, which was really interesting. It was the year of the pandemic. And so we did January, then we did February. And then the minute like March 10th or March 6th, it was like I jumped off the wagon and into the neck of a Chardonnay (laughs) bottle. It was like, wait, what? Because, you know, I think a lot of people just realize that they do feel so good. So are you going to, are you going to, those of you who did dry January or some of you just think dry January is folly, um, but are you going to stick with it or are any, or, or maybe some of you are already at the liquor store. I mean, for dry January well, being over to celebrate. I started out thinking I would do it and then went out for a girl's brunch and Heidi's like, all right, I'll have such and such. What right. about you? And I'm like, oh, I think this is a dry January. I haven't really decided. She said, have a dry martini. So I'm like, okay, I'll have a dry martini. It's dry yeah, January. <laughs> that is not exactly That is not exactly how the board game is played, but, but that was great. I think damp January is more like moderation of all things. Yes, yes. And um, I think that... Uh, a lot of folks, maybe once they start with dry January, they are able to moderate with with ease or with more ease. Um, from the 314, so is that why hedge fund companies buy up newspapers just to close them because they only publish Democratic stuff? I'm not sure where that came from, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think a lot of them are just purchasing the 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 legacy call letters the legacy um paper you know newspaper publication i don't think that it's a i don't i i'm not as much as i love a good conspiracy i'm i'm not that into the conspiracy on that particular front we talked to Lynn Venhouse, and there was a film at the St. Louis Film Festival about these hedge funds buying up newspapers. At the moment, I can't remember the name of the film. But was it but an ideological the, thing? We interviewed the filmmaker. No, it was just a documentary. Maybe you were off that day or you might have been on vacation. Uh, we'll have to ask Lynn Venhouse about it because it was one of those documentaries you could only see at the film festival. And and it was fascinating, but it was on this topic of hedge funds buying up newspapers and sort of behind the scenes. We'll ask her Friday. But you don't remember whether or not it was an ideological endeavor. I don't remember. I, I, I mean, I think it was financial endeavor. 
Well, sure. Finan- uh, financial, of course. That's all they cared about. Yeah. Um, from the 314, I started out with a dry January, which eventually went to a damp January, and I plan to continue that into February. We'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, especially over the holidays, there's just such there's too there's, much of everything. There's too much. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just the salt, the salt levels alone. <laughs> or I was going to say sugar. Or sugar. <laughs> whatever your thing yeah, is. Whatever whatever floats your boat, <laughs> melts your butter. And if it is sugar or salt, don't forget to have your dental checkup. We think that's one of the things we're going to continue to remind you about. At Baldwin Dental Care, they have a new patient special. Here's what you get. Comprehensive exam, four x-rays, an oral cancer screening and a cleaning all for $99 or $100 credit on your account. Dr. Kimberly Simons owns Bowen Dental Care. She bought it from her dad. She worked there in summers. It's the largest female-owned dental practice in the state of Missouri. And their mission statement is this. We remember what it was like to be a patient. Top of mind is that if you have anxiety, they remember what it was like for the patient in the dental chair to experience anxiety, and they'll take good care of you. As a matter of fact... When you walk in the door, they'll hand you a comfort menu, and they really want to know emotionally what do you need. Of course, you'll get the gold standard of dental care. But if you need to be talked through the procedure or you would prefer not to be talked to, you want headphones so you can listen to music or watch a movie, your wish is their command. Baldwin Dental Care is in the old Johnny Mac Sporting Goods store on Manchester Road. Very easy to get to no matter where you live. They have evening hours, Saturday hours, and they offer affordable payment options. The new patient special right now, a comprehensive exam, four x-rays, an oral cancer screening, and a cleaning, all for $99 or $100 credit on your account. You can give them a call, 636-227-2552, or just Google Baldwin Dental Care. If you do stop in, though, please tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you. Jennifer and Wendy, Song of the Day. On the Big 550. KTRS. Today's Justin Timberlake's birthday. He was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Was on the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, which I have read about but did not see. And then in sync, and then his successful solo career. And here is one of his songs for our song of the day. I'm loving you. By the way, what's your sign? I bet it is compatible with mine. And you have a quote today? I do indeed. And I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy this and relate to this soon as I can find it. Sharon Stone in a podcast recently, and it's a little bit of a lengthy quote, but it's worth it. Everybody really likes you when you do everything that everyone asks and tells you to do. Nobody likes you when you have boundaries. I had to learn to grow some boundaries. The more I understood what boundaries really meant, the less people started to like me. And the more I understood how fantastic and healthy that was. I love that. And she is so interesting to me. 
recently on Sunday morning and reading about her that pretty much describes her. And I think a lot of women, we of a certain age, I'm hoping younger women don't feel this, but so many women are raised to be people pleasers at their own expense. In our baby boomers, I'm not speaking for all, but a lot of women I know. 84126, I still think that, um, in, I think that the young, I think young women have, you know, they have a lot of social media influencers mm-hmm. who are very, um, trying very hard to change <laughs> the old ways, you know, our ancestral ways of, of define of gender definition definition and um but you still wonder because that that family pressure you know to behave a certain way that's going to be there no matter what mm-hmm. um so that will be interesting and i don't think it's just i don't think it's just women i do think it it's also in in many cases men who try to please everybody and and you know I don't know that they are socialized like that, depending. I mean, obviously, depending on the family. Um, But there are those men out there who do try to please everybody. I remember decades ago, the first time I worked for a woman, had a female boss, and I was thinking, oh, this will be so great and so different. And it was not different. (laughs) I mean, over the years, I've had many female bosses, and they're great ones and not so great ones. ones. And the older I get, what I know is that I would not want to be a boss it's too much responsibility. And the older I get, the more I realize, wow, I, when I was young, I just had the wrong impression completely and blamed bosses for things that, you know. Right. It, it, it had just, nothing to do with You would with never them. understand, right, unless you um, were a boss. No. And I, do you think that, I don't know many people who, who go to school or study and, and think that, you know, their ultimate goal is to, I want to be the boss because heavy is the head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that wears the crown. You're, you're responsible for so many decisions and so many things that impact uh, the people under you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And so many people get promoted to the boss position where they really did not want it. Is that the Peter principle? They're not really I, yeah. prepared yeah. to be a boss, but they did so well in all the jobs leading up to it that they ended up being the boss. And mm-hmm. then they retire and say, I want to go back to a line job or the kind of job I had that was fun instead of being responsible for so many people. I think it's why so many uh, so many people, and I think men and women, enjoy being like rangers on golf courses. Yeah. They, you know, after they've had a, a job, you know, a nine to five with all of the pressure that can come with that, they're like, okay, you know, let me putter around in a golf cart and tell people to hurry up their play or whatever. Yes, you. now that you say that, we once had an overnight producer who was just really, really great at her job. But between the hours and a boss she d- didn't like, she became one of those uh, golf course Oh, uh, like a, ra- a ranger, right. Yeah, and she made a fortune. <laughs> She's like, this is much better than the news business. You know, I get sunshine, I see people, I'm making a whole bunch of money, I'm not Isn't up overnight putting together. And that was an executive producer. Or Isn't a producer. that lovely? <laughs> and, that, and when you hear about that happening to somebody, you can't help but be happy for them. Yes. You just can't help. Exactly. On the World Banks Missouri text line, bad bosses come in both forms, male and female versions. That is so, so true. 
If you are thinking about retiring, a good place to start would be to call Capital Advisory Group and sit down and have a chat with Jeff Zufall and his staff. They like to make a written financial plan for you because some people think they're ready for retirement, but they did not plan, and they see Jeff, and they figure out they need to work a couple more years. They start the conversation with you, at, first of all, figuring out when you should take Social Security, and if you'll have enough money with Social Security, personal savings, investments, pensions, 401ks, if you have them, to live your life without working. And they'll start the conversation with you about health care costs in retirement, taxes you'll have to pay because we have to do that and how to make sure you don't outlive your money. Jeff Zufall also has a radio show here in the Big 550 at 3. He co-hosts it with Josh Gilbert from the Heidi Klaus Show and they talk about all things money, taxes, and retirement. And even if you're at the other end of the spectrum and you're just starting out, it's good to start saving now so that when retirement rolls around for you, you will be prepared. Give Jeff Zuval and his team a call, 636-394-5524. Look them up online, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Or listen in to Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zuval and Josh Gilbert every Saturday at 3, right here on The Big 550. Sandra Thompson William has Williams has been working on Black History Month activities at the St. Louis County Library for 25 years. She's a Renaissance woman, author of four books, recorded gospel musician, and also our guest today. Ms. Williams, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to hear about what kinds of books you have published. Oh, I have some fiction and nonfiction. It's uh, Christian material. I'm a Christian author, and I enjoy writing. Well, you work at a fantastic place. We are so thrilled to have the St. Louis County Library uh, sponsor the Jennifer and Wendy Show. Tell us about some of the Black History Month activities coming up. We are so excited. We have a star studded events that are going to be happening for the entire month, actually more than 150 scheduled programs. But just to highlight a few, um, actually tonight is our kickoff program, and we have Nana Kwame Ajebrenya, who is going to be talking about his book, Chain Gang All-Stars, and that's actually going to take place at the Emerson Theater at the uh, Washington University campus. But we also have two really, I would say, very renowned figures that are going to be coming, uh, Joy Ann Reed, who, of course, is um, going to be our Frankie Freeman inspirational uh, speaker. And that's going to take place February 10th. And she's going to be talking about her new book, Megger and Murley, uh, Megger Evers and the Love Story That Awakened America. That's going to be very exciting. And that's going to take place at the Shalom Church, City of Peace in Florissant. And then we're going to have um, an evening with Hollywood legend Billy D. Williams. Oh, my that's goodness. That's going to be a big <laughs> one. <laughs> We're really excited about uh, having Billy D. Williams to come this year, and um, that's going to take place at the Skip, which is at the Chaminade um, High School location, and that's February 20th. And we're expecting uh, everyone. It's going to be a family affair, so we expect 
children and adults to actually come to that event because of um, his notoriety and just his uh, everything about him that's so wonderful. Oh, my <laughs> so goodness. So we're excited. Yeah. They're going to be lined Everybody's going to be lined up around the block for Lando <laughs> Calarisian. Um, Sandra, when it comes to the St. Louis County Library, Jennifer and I have uh, certainly always been witnesses to it, but uh, learning so much about the library because they sponsor the show and through the book club, the the, the people who frequent the library, uh, the St. Louis County residents who love it so much, there's an enthusiasm. I'm not sure you see it everywhere in the country. This is a very unique relationship, isn't it, between the people served by the library and the library itself? It really is. Our author events and our programs are some of the best in the entire country. And we know that because people have said it, and uh, we have numbers that prove when people come to our programs and they talk about it, especially when they move away from other library districts, that our programs are just so exciting and family-friendly, and just we have programs that are for everyone. You know, I drive by the library headquarters under construction. Now, it looks so exciting, and it's yes. supposed to – I know Kristen Sorth told us it's supposed to open either in the spring or the summer. Uh, there will be so much there for all St. Louisans who have their library cards. There's going to be um, a place to have our author events where we will have a seating capacity for 800. So um, we'll have most of our events right at that location. And it's going to have so many other wonderful things, art and just just so many things that people are going to want to come for, bring their young children, and uh, the adults will be able to come, a business center, and just so many great things that we can hardly wait to get it finished. When it comes to, to Black History Month, how have you seen it evolve? Because you've been so instrumental uh, at the county library and since since its inception, how have you seen it evolve, and, and what sort of changes do you attribute to the celebration of, of the contributions of our African-American neighbors? Well, I think that's a good question, and I think it's because in our culture there's so much more awareness, so many movements that have taken place since the 25 years that I have been here. In the beginning, I was just working on maybe a couple of programs, but since that time period, we have just grown so and now we get so many opportunities to bring in people, to bring in authors. People are always calling us, asking us who we're going to have next. And um, it's just grown so because people are more aware of all the contributions that African Americans have made to society. And they're understanding that black history, the celebration, is not just for black people, but it's for all people. And so we've seen the evolution of that take place during these 25 years. Mm. That is so true. And, Sandra, when when I renewed my library card about 15 or 16 years ago, I was so surprised that it, you no longer had to be quiet in the library. <laughs> what other changes might you tell our listeners about that would get people? I, I know there are many, many library card holders, but there's some people who I think need to go get their library card again because things have changed. 
They really have, and technology has been a large part of that. We have so many computers because in this computer literate age, um, if you don't have one in your home, you go to your libraries, which are now more of community centers in some locations because of what we offer. And what we offer uh, really is what people need. They need Wi-Fi, and they need to be able to access all of the things that are only accessible through technology. And the library has made it possible for everyone to take part in that. You can take home Chromebooks, and you can come in and actually do your work um, on the computers that we have, and they're all up to date, and you don't have to um, worry about if you're going to be able to find something. You're in the great location of the library, and we've got everything that they need to be successful, whether it's for school or for business or for personal use, and we're excited about that. Your enthusiasm is contagious. Sandra Thompson-Williams, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks to St. Louis County Library for sponsoring this show. Just go to slcl.org for more information. Sandra, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You know, we had Dr. David Carr on our program recently, and he is a professor at Washington University School of Medicine, but also director of clinical services um, at Park Provence. And he knows so much about memory and Alzheimer's. And if you are looking for a memory care community, please consider Park Provence. It, it definitely takes a village. At Park Provence, they offer the most advanced care available for dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And they really pride themselves on providing a quality of life. And that means nurturing the mind, the body, and the spirit. Park Provence is locally owned. And if you think that maybe that doesn't make a difference, uh, you will have your mind changed. There is no doubt about it. Uh, they are dedicated to the St. Louis region and deeply, deeply invested in the day-to-day operations and the lives of all concerned. Residents and family members with questions are con- or concerns rather have access to the decision makers. And as someone whose mother lived in Florida, I can tell you that is not the case when it's out of state or even out of town. And Park Provence's person-centered dementia program has earned many accolades across the nation, as well as its team members and a model of person-centered care. In fact, Park Provence is a pioneer in caring for those with dementia and Alzheimer's disease. It's really beautiful. The community's interior spaces were purposefully designed. So it's a warm and intimate setting. But then when you have a person with Alzheimer's or dementia, you have to worry about them wandering off. But at Park Provence, they have an advanced security system so the people who live there can safely explore these lush gardens and courtyards and their walking paths and well-appointed common areas for them. So please call Andrew or Michaela at 314-542-2500 to learn more or to schedule a tour. If you tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you, you will receive a special offer. I told you my cousin's been here for about a week, and there's something about first cousins that it's like a part of your childhood that you will never lose. The memories and sitting there and chatting, walking down memory lane. I don't know how many of you feel that way. Of course, Mark has 62 first cousins. Oh, God. And I only have 
four who I'm relatively close to and four more who I just have not stayed in touch with. But there is really something about it. I've always heard that uh, that it's a great saying where your cousins are really your first official best friends, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you have you have so much in common. And as you said, those memories and my my father used to tell me that uh, his cousins who lived in Nebraska, he and his cousin Dave were like they were drawn to each other because they would get in trouble. I mean, mm-hmm. they would just they were always in trouble. <laughs> and then Dave's brother Dick and my my uncle Jack would never get into trouble. And those like, you know, those identities followed them all of their lives and they would roar over those memories when they did fill in the blank. And I'm sure you guys have been doing a lot of that since she's been in town. Yes. And my cousin Suz is younger than I am, but her brother Tim is my age. And so when we were 11 and 12 and they lived in Baltimore, we lived in Ohio, but we visited a lot. And so when you're a 12-year-old girl and you have a 12-year-old cousin, my sister was like this too with her cousin Fred, who was the oldest. It's like, well, I want to marry Tim when I grow up. And my parents would say, we get that, but you can't. Yeah, you can't. We'll explain <laughs> you can marry that later. someone like him, but no, you're cousins and you cannot do that. We'll explain that later. Um, the, I, I just, I think that's, that's really wonderful. And I know you explained the Suz before, but could you explain well, her it again? Well, name is Amy Sue Hassan. So her oh. mother was Amy. Okay. And we always called her... Susie or Suz, and her professional name. Because I always, love it. By people the way. always call her Amy. We called her Soap Suds. And so Suz is just what I think maybe her siblings call her that once in a while and her cousins, and that's it. Yeah, see, I, but it has, it's stuck, is, is the uh-huh. point, because I'm really beginning to think that Joe, Josephine, Josie, your granddaughter, our, grand, my, our, our granddaughter, is going to become Dodie, her mm-hmm. her nickname, because that is what her brother calls her. And so now her parents, my my daughter and son-in-law, are calling her that. And she's actually becoming Dodie, D-O-D-I-E, which is adorable. It is. Because I couldn't say, my brother's name was Forrest, and I called him Woody. So that stuck because I couldn't say Forrest <laughs> um, when he was little. Um, so I think that's, you know, you kind of wonder if I was even wondering if I should order her something with Dodie on it for Valentine's Day, because it's like, that's her name now. And I mean, then it's, names for grandparents. My late mother's name was Smoke and her grandchildren called her Kiki because they couldn't say Smokey. We called her Smoke. Kiki. Kiki. I love And I thought that was that. cute. And I know lots of grandparents are called all different things. From the 314, we grew up with our cousins so very close, and two of them are gone, and so we adopted our other cousin and call her our Custer, like a sister. That's cute. <laughs> that is that is really cute. Um, yes, the Medicare man, we had a question about the Medicare man. His email address is... MedicareManSTL.com. Ryan yes. Raphael, do and give him a call. Answer to your question. And then my cousin says often acted as a buffer zone between my sister and me. We called her our Xanax. Oh, I believe because it. Because she's so calm and easy to be around. And, you know, sometimes sisters can go at it, at least... 
my sister and myself. And oh. Suz was always the buffer zone. What was the separation between you and Jib? 14 months. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you guys were almost like twins. Mm-hmm. And then 14 months between me and my younger brother, who's now gone. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So we, you were stair steps. Yes, we were. And then Suz's family is the Hassans. So they had Fred, Tim, Marty, and Suz, or maybe Fred, Tim, Suz, and Marty. I think Suz is the baby. Either but way, I love We were the all name. so close, and it was so much fun. And whenever they would, you know, they lived in the city, and my dad was from the city of Baltimore, but he kept moving us out into the country more and more. So we had Amish neighbors, and the city cousins would come, and we would have a lot of fun and build forts and get into trouble. But when I visited them in the city, I just thought, this is the most romantic thing ever. They live in the city. They're ambulances. They're construction workers. <laughs> Taxi cabs. And my grandmother lived in a high rise, and I just thought there was nothing like it. The you know, traffic. <laughs> we uh, we would we would frequently have this conversation. We would go up to Chicago to visit Margaret, and we'd stay in that concrete canyon. You know, there were Chicago was like a mini New York, right? But um, we would frequently have that conversation. Could we live? In this city, because the two of us, you know, I mean, we're not certainly not country mice, but we're used to when you're used to wide open spaces, you do kind of feel that where it's like it's like that claustrophobic thing. And and I don't I, I think a city city life would be amazing. But when you look out the window and you're there for a couple of days it was just a little bit of claustrophobia. Yes. And then my niece, who lives in the city of Chicago with her husband and two-year-old, little Mikey, wants to go outside and play. And right. they don't have a backyard. Do they have a lot of parks in Chicago they do. in their, in their yes. part of the – because it seems like on every – almost on every block – you would have a park for little people. They do. And that's why when Mikey comes to stay with us in the summer for a week, and he'll be almost three, Mark already has a farm tour of southern Illinois planned for this little boy oh. because he's a city kid. And his father is a city kid from Chicago. So this will be perhaps the three-year-old's first introduction to farm life in southern Illinois. And I'm sure that Taylor will appreciate that because after he returns to downtown Chicago, he's going to want to go see the farm animals and the tractors, Mm -hmm. and he's going to have a great time. Uh, From the 314, this is so funny. My oldest daughter's name is Maggie, Margaret. Her first child, who is now six, is Josephine. Wow. Josie. Wow, wow, wow. I went to Bishop DeBorg. Have a fantastic week, you two. Uh, thank you so much. We we love it when I ran into a guy in the gym the other day in our age group who told me he listened to us all the time, and I was so thrilled. Because if, unless we hear from you on the World Banks Missouri text line, we don't know. And unless you see us um, out out in a boat, and, and we do, we love hearing, especially I think there's a sense that if you have two women together that we're going to be talking about, I don't know. Chick. Chick stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when we hear from the men who love the show, that that is a that's a that's a great gift. Yes, we appreciate all feedback and we do get it. And we pay it some mind, don't we? Yes, yes, we do. Um, in terms of the weather, have you given up? Because this feels like I mean, this is today is gonna be nice, um, still a little chilly, but tomorrow is gonna be in the sixties. And then if you look at the next week or so, you almost want to plant flowers. 
But you know you can't. And the other day when there was sun out, oh my gosh! Mark said, "What is that? Glowing What's that big yellow orb. thing in the sky?" And yeah. I realized it's been a while. It's been a long while. It's been a long while. It seems like, and then the rain. I mean, the rain really helped. Um, but we still, you know, we still could use some more. But I'm, I know that we're always just waiting for that other shoe to drop. I think when it comes to winter, yes. it's like we get, we, yeah, we're not done yet. Yeah, we get a little laid back, thinking, oh, okay, the worst of it's behind us, and then you have that usually like really heavy snow. Yeah, I, we're not done with snow, but I, I did feel the absence of sunshine and realize it's been a while since we've had sunshine. When my family lived in Toledo, Ohio. My sister ended up moving to Sarasota, Florida with her husband. But I think back then they did not have those light boxes yet that people use for, for clinical depression. affective disorder. Right, yeah. seasonal affective disorder. But my sister really felt the difference between Florida and Toledo because it was a lot cloudier in Toledo and she needed sunshine. Yeah, and I just I think it depends on the person because I was mm-hmm. listening to McGraw and he was he had a guest or a, a texter or a caller coming in who said that he was from Oregon and he said this weather is great. You know, he said I love this weather. He said when it's cloudy, uh, you know, he said it doesn't this certainly doesn't get too cold. But I guess you just you're used to whatever you grew up with. I wonder what he loved about it. If it was the fact that. We have mild temperatures or it doesn't rain as much. I think all of the above. Mm -hmm. All of the above. But we have it. We're used to it. And we're used to complaining about it. (laughs) From the 314, headed to Palm Springs Friday. It will be sunny and nice here and cool and rainy all weekend there. Don't you hate when that happens? And it does occasionally. And we've gone seven days without sun. Wow. Thank you for joining us. John Carney, Julie Buck up next. We'll be back tomorrow. Just to have a laugh or sing a song Seems we just get started And before you know it Comes the time